Welcome to the PTA Elevation Podcast, where we help physical therapist assistant students pass the NPTE on the first try without wasting time or money. To learn more about the services we offer, find us on Facebook by searching PTA Board Study Group or fill out the form linked in the description. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's podcast. What's up, everybody? Today, we're going to be going over restrictive lung diseases. And remember, the boards likes to talk about the difference between restrictive lung diseases and obstructive lung diseases. So there's two of these lung diseases. Today, we're going over restrictive. Biggest thing I like to think of restrictive is the lungs are being squished. So anatomy, lungs, and all of their surrounding structures. So any of the pleural cavity, anything within the lungs themselves. So the trachea, the um, bronchial tubes, the bronchi, all of that stuff all involved with these um, restrictive lung diseases. Extrapulmonary causes could be anything musculoskeletal. So this is like from scoliosis to other things that would end up causing a structural deformity, end up squishing the lungs. Remember the definition of a restrictive lung diseases is it impairs lung expansion and causes a decrease in pulmonary ventilation. So etiology, there's two different ways that this might show up. It might be a pulmonary reason or an extra pulmonary reason. So pulmonary would be within the lungs itself. This would be fibroids or tumors or scarring or pneumonia. So again, with the fibroids and scarring, there's a bunch of stuff like just in there that's causing the lungs that they can't really expand all the way. Tumor could be in the way where the lungs can expand all the way. The pneumonia and bacterial infections, just we don't want that going on in the lungs. That's obviously gonna decrease the amount of ventilation of air in and out of the lungs extra pulmonary causes. So this is probably where the boards is going to lean towards just because these are more uh, PT intervention kind of things more so than we have like the doctors doing surgery and stuff like that. Like we're not really going to be surgically removing a tumor. So when it comes to extra pulmonary um, etiology of a restrictive lung disease, this could be any sort of postural deformity. So that could be involved with any sort of kyphosis or something like that. And even a little bit with the structural deformity as well with like scoliosis and stuff like that, the postural and structural deformities are kind of the big things with those. So any sort of pleural effusion could also cause a restrictive lung disease, chest wall stiffness. So the, the chest wall cannot expand as much. Therefore, the lungs cannot expand as much. Respiratory muscle weakness. So the biggest one is the diaphragm. So if the diaphragm is weak, we are not getting air in. Bad. Remember, expiration is more of a passive process. If you're just sitting here breathing, like it's like, you just relax and the air comes right out. That's expiration. But we want to use that diaphragm to help fill the belly. And if this isn't working in these patients, then we got a problem. Any sort of central nervous system injury. So spinal cord injury, we kind of talked about that last week. Remember, they might have sort of postural deformities because they can't, you know, fully sit back up because they have the lack of innervation of certain muscles. The diaphragm could be one of those muscles that's lacking innervation. So just bad all around. Any sort of MS, so multiple sclerosis. So they have those, um, those scarring forming and the sclerotic parts on the myelin sheaths. And that's causing some depression of the central nervous system. Again, one of those could be the phrenic nerve, which innervates the diaphragm. So we'll see that again. And then ALS, so amyotropic lateral sclerosis. Remember with end-stage ALS, most of these patients are uh, passing away from respiratory distress or any sort of you know restrictive lung disease and stuff like that because they're either in, losing innervation of their phrenic nerve, which they need that to be able to breathe and contract their diaphragm, or the postural deformities of the end-stage ALS are causing their lungs to be squished. So 
that is another reason why we would have a restrictive lung disease with those central nervous system injuries. What does it look like? So I kind of dabbled on this. The musculoskeletal disorders are going to be visible and we're going to be able to see those and kind of know, okay, that's probably squishing the lungs. So scoliosis is the big one that structural scoliosis can even function a little bit, mostly with the structural where it's like completely like the bones are all deformed and squishing in the side. We'll see that that's causing decrease in ventilation, decrease in the ability for the lungs to expand. Any sort of chest wall deformity. So pectus excavatum, that's kind of where they have like a crater in their chest kind of area around their sternum. So it's kind of like dipped in that also prevents the lungs from expanding all the way. Ankylosing spondylitis and kyphosis kind of go hand in hand because you will have a kyphotic curve, um, like an extreme kyphosis when it comes to ankylosing spondylitis. So that again, is going to like push you forward. And remember kind of like that hunchback thing. And if you feel that yourself, you're kind of squishing your lungs in any sort of rib fractures as well. I don't know if you know somebody who's broken a rib or something like that, but if they try to breathe too deeply, like, like it like expands into the rib and the rib tries to expand, but if it's broken, it's like very painful. So they're like, ow, kind of thing. Again, a structural deformity. Pulmonary reasons, those aren't going to be as visible. So we will see this present with decreased breath sounds. So when we go to oscillate the lungs or even just sitting there listening to them, it's like, so they can't breathe as well. So we'll hear that when we oscillate the lungs, but we'll also just look at them. We can see that they're not breathing how they should be. Shortness of breath, again, because their lungs are being squished, they can't breathe well. Hypoxia and hypoxemia, because they're not getting adequate ventilation, so movement of air into the lungs itself, they're going to have a lower pulse ox reading. So we'll be able to see that with the pulse oximeter. Remember, there's specific numbers we got to know for the boards. The ineffective cough. So I don't know if you've ever been in class. I don't know if this is just me, but like you hear someone kind of like coughing in the back, like <laughs> it's like, bro, just like cough it out. Like, come on. That's them all the time because they don't have the proper muscles or structural like ability to have that full produced cough. Like if I was going to cough, I'd be like, <clears throat> like it's really deep. I'm getting all the air out, getting all the gunk out. They can't do that. Again, increased use of those accessory muscles. So if you're watching this on video, you can see I'm like, like I'm like lifting my chest to be able to breathe. You can practice it yourself if you're listening to this on the podcast, but you can kind of see how that's going to be happening with these patients because they literally can't get air in. So their diaphragm might not be intervened or working as well. So they're kind of using those other muscles and everything's being like, but then it's really inefficient because you got to use those other muscles. Then they end up having tachypnea or tachypnea, whatever you want to call it. I like to say the tachypnea just because it helps me spell it out and then I can recognize it, but I know it's tachypnea. Um, and that's the rapid increased breathing rate. So you'll see that with those patients because they're having inefficient, short, deep, like very, I mean, superficial breaths. So we can see that with these patients and then overall reduction in those lung volumes. So remember like tidal volume, vital capacity, inspiratory reserve volume, all of that stuff is decreased because the lungs can't expand all the way. So therefore there's not as much volume of air going through. Medical interventions for this patient, surgery and pharmacological, pharmacological management are outside of our scope of practice. However, we might have a patient come in, they're on a bunch of various sorts of drugs to be able to manage the restrictive lung disease, or maybe it's a um, scoliosis patient that had rods placed in for surgery to help put some hardware to help open up that side of the lung so then they can breathe. So we could see that. Now, PT interventions, that's kind of where we come in. Um, we'll be intervening with these patients and providing appropriate, you know, care based on the severity of symptoms and what the underlying cause is. 
So obviously treating somebody who's got structural scoliosis is going to look a little different than me treating somebody who's got um, any sort of like tumor in there. So depending on what's going on, that's how we're going to be treating it. Again, usually we're coming in with a lot of these musculoskeletal disorders to help kind of try to treat those. But the biggest things we want to think about is we're maximizing gas exchange. So we can do this with diaphragmatic breathing. So again, that like breathing in, like holding your belly, holding your uh, chest, breathing into the belly. So like that, like one, two, three, four, five, like that big inhale, filling the belly and then breathing out. So it's mostly the belly going up and down rather than the chest. Energy conservation techniques. This is because our patients, if their pulse ox is going to drop really low every time they get up and walk around, we got to make sure they have chairs around them that they can sit down, that they can stop and breathe a little bit and like kind of calm, get some more air in, teaching all those techniques to be able to allow them to be maximally functional. Maybe it means that they have to be in a motorized wheelchair or scooter or something like that, just because walking too much is too, is not happening for them. Again, Breathing exercises, coughing techniques, because remember, they're not going to be able to clear that air out of their, the phlegm and stuff out of their lungs because they're getting stuck because they don't have those muscles to be able to do that. So teaching them how to cough properly. So they're not having that, <laughs> that we're like, no, bro, like cough it up that we can get them to do that. And then that'll also fall into like those airway clearance techniques, just getting everything out of them. Maybe they have to manually suction some stuff out something along those lines. And then the biggest thing with these patients is just, and this is pretty much with everything. And this is what we should be doing because we are teachers to our patients is patient education and then giving them their home program, which will have all of these things of the breathing, the airway clearance techniques, the coughing, energy conservation. That's kind of what we're teaching these patients how to do. We're giving them the blueprint so they can do it. Keywords. So I would say when you're looking at a question that might be some sort of restrictive lung disease on the boards, severe scoliosis is probably going to pop up as the main musculoskeletal reason why we would see this, just because scoliosis is something we're more familiar with treating than a lot of these other diseases. So again, any disease or de definition or explanation or description where it seems like the lungs are being squished, think restrictive lung disease. If you see asthma, COPD, or emphysema run the other way. These are all obstructive lung diseases. That is the other type of lung disease that the board sometimes is like, is this a restrictive or an obstructive? The boards might literally ask you, is this a restrictive or obstructive lung disease and give you a bunch of questions of like answers. So see those three run, it's obstructive, it's not restrictive. Again, if you're trying to think of how I wanna answer a question, you're looking at the answers. If you see anything that's about energy conservation techniques, airway clearance techniques, those are all going to be good things we want to do for these restrictive lung patients. So if you're seeing those as possible answers and they're like, we have a lung disease patient, how are we restrictive lung disease patient? How are we treating them? And those are some of the answers. Those are good answers. If you see more than one though, those might not be the answers. It might be asking you, which is not true. Hit, hit, nudge, nudge. Um, and then the last thing would be any sort of possible surgical interventions. So again, we kind of talked about this could be, um, with uh, scoliosis, putting rods in, something like that to expand the area where the lungs can expand. That's kind of another thing we want to think of that it could be restrictive because we need to like literally get in there and well, not we, the surgeons and fix it. So sample question, guys, a physical therapist assistant is treating a patient with severe structural scoliosis. Which intervention would not be appropriate for the physical therapist assistant to perform with this patient? One, Stretching of the concave side of the curvature of the spine. 
Two, training of the muscles of inspiration. Three, patient education on airway clearance techniques. Or four, energy conservation techniques. So I'll give you guys a minute to think about that. All right, guys, so the answer is number one, stretching of the concave side of the curvature. So the reason why this is incorrect is because this would be an appropriate intervention if it was functional scoliosis. So that means that there's like a muscle imbalance or muscle tightness or muscle shortening or contracture on one side that we could actually stretch out and intervene with. With structural scoliosis, the bones are not in the right place and that is causing the curvature of the spine. We cannot fix that. We need to send them to a surgeon to do their fun little fix of the spine. Um, so we are not doing that. So that is why this answer is incorrect because this is not appropriate for a patient with structural scoliosis, which is what the question says. Now, again, I put the big three of the ones we wanna look at and say, yes, these are all good things to do with restrictive lung patients. The training of the muscles of inspiration, number two, we definitely wanna do that with a restrictive lung patient. The patient education on airway clearance techniques, yes golden. We want that. Um, and then the energy conservation techniques, boom, we love that. That's what we want to do with these patients. So remember, this was a, what is not appropriate. And I like to do a lot of these questions because these are the ones that throw people off. And then also when I say what is not appropriate, now you can learn from the question see, okay, these three things would be appropriate for a patient who is undergoing any sort of, um, who has a restrictive lung disease. So I hope that this was a helpful video and or podcast, whichever you're listening on for you guys today. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me and I will see you guys soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PTA Elevation Podcast. We look forward to continually serving you as you embark on your journey towards becoming a licensed physical therapist assistant. We thank you for your continued support and we'll see you in the next episode.